Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the Ubuntu podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our second episode of the Ubuntu podcast. My name is Henel Kilma, and I'm here with my brothers. Hey, everybody, it's David. What's good, y'all? It's Dow. Awesome stuff. In our first episode, we discussed Black History Month. More so, we talked about our own upbringings, our learning experiences, in addition to a dedicated segment for Valentine's Day. Today, we're talking adulting. The three of us are friends and members of the diaspora, but we're also millennials really trying to find our way through life. So we want to take the time on this episode to really go in depth about what adulting means to us by looking at the concept of family, specifically how family relates to our own upbringings and informs what adulting looks like to us. We recognize that adulting really differs across cultures, and so we really want to take the time to discuss those particular differences among the three of us. Now, Dao, over to you. Thanks, Hinoch. Yes, yes. Uh, we're so excited about this topic and all the very interesting and hilarious things that will be brought up today. Uh, but before we get into it, you already know what time it is. We're going to talk to you about Africa in the news for all our new listeners, which is most of y'all. Each episode, before we get into our main topic, we start off with a segment focused on just highlighting important and current events impacting Africa and African people that everyone needs to know about. We believe here at the Ubuntu Podcast, just as important, we know and discuss what impacts the diaspora currently as we talk about all the great things that make us who we are and bring us together. So we're going to kick it off to David for Africa in the News segment. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much for the intro, Dow. As he mentioned, Africa in the News is our listeners kind of one stop shop to getting all of the current, but also like really historical, important features and highlights around what's taking place concerning African communities across the world. And so Hanok did an awesome job with our Africa in the News um, segment last episode where he talked about the U.S. travel restrictions on different African countries. Um, And I wanted to talk a little bit about a different African community actually placed outside of the continent to talk about the situation, what's happening with Afro-Colombians in the country of Colombia. And so many of you might be like, yo, there are Africans in Colombia. And the answer is emphatically, yes, (laughs) there are. And um, sources actually cite that Afro-Colombians make up anywhere between seven to nearly 20 percent of the population. Now, the red flag around that might be why is this spread so large? And I think it actually is a great um, it's a great telltale sign of the institutional um, lack of representation that Afro-Columbians experience and how many of their fights to preserve communities and their families and to stay alive really mirror the fights that other black people, whether it be in the U.S. or other countries around the world, have had to struggle and endure through to be able to be seen as equal citizens. Um, also like confronting and trying to make a life out of the legacy of the transatlantic slave trade um, and all the other forced patterns of migration and enslavement that have brought many African communities to be in all places of the world. But the highlight I want to bring on the Afro-Colombian community today is particularly around what is taking place in the realm of activism and there has been some incredible work of activism trying to really shed light on the systemic injustices Afro-Colombian communities face as it relates to mass incarceration um, 
gentrification and hosts of racial discrimination through laws and through cultural practices that segregate and subjugate Afro-Colombian lives and communities. And there is a purge happening between the Colombian government, um, what's called guerrilla military groups that are kind of like rogue, renegade, violent sects of people that create arms of power using violence. And also, um, privatization, large companies um, looking to make money off of uh, the Colombian resources and people, they're kind of like all like in a triage of power concentrated against Afro-Colombian communities. And many Afro-Colombian communities are located in very like resource rich um, port cities um, historically in Colombia. And there have been major conspiracies to really like systematically remove and, um, and expunge them of their land of their practices and to break down their communities um, while doing so. And so in large part due to the racism that Afro-Colombians experience, Colombia remains um, to be the most deadliest country for human rights activists in the entire world. Um, where over 126 activists, black activists were killed last year and over 560 activists have been killed in the last three years after the controversial signing of a peace deal between a guerrilla group and the government that actually many Afro-Colombians claim has devastated their communities and exacerbated the levels of crime and victimization they're experiencing. And the center of these disappearances and these, um, attacks uh, uh, against activists has really centered around the work and the legacy of black women who in many countries and in many places stand at the forefront of just getting things done, speaking up, using their voice and, um, and really um, building out brilliant, thoughtful revolutionary movements in the process. And um, I'm going to make sure that we link some major resources so you guys can learn more about this. There's a lot happening, particularly in a town called, Bueno Ventura in, in Colombia and a lot of great activism work, but also a lot of tragedy um, that's hidden the lives of black activists and black women activists in Colombia and um, really dealing with a lot of issues that are parallel to what we see in the U.S. and other places, but also like really uniquely different, like South America and like just very different geography, climate. There's a lot of really interesting nuances. And I think it's worth a learn, a deep dive for more of us to really understand what it means for us to liberate ourselves as people, as as the diaspora globally, and how we have to first start with that first step of learning. And so that's what I have for today's Africa in the News segment. Please stay tuned to learn more. Um, and I'm going to kick it back to my co-host. So thanks, guys. All right, David. Uh, thank you for that wonderful Africa in the News segment. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about our upbringing and how we make sense of what it means to adult. Last episode, we talked about what we learned from schools and those around us about being black as children. But this week, we're going to talk about what we learn from our families about the real world. And by the end of this, we might find out our real worlds are quite similar or not. So let's start off with each of us will share a little bit about our upbringings in a Sudanese American, Ethiopian American and Black American household. So David and Henok, what did that look like? And what were some of the essential lessons and theme you learned growing up about getting older? 
Yeah. Okay. I'll start off with that, Dal. Um, yeah. This topic of adulting, I'm really curious to see what you all um, really think. Um, I struggle with the concept as a whole, but before we get into that, I <laughs> want to do give you give our viewers and you all some background for who I am and like how that informed what I think of adulting. I am black, you know, <laughs> shocker, right? We're all black on this podcast, but I'm a black, a native black American, um, meaning that my lineage um, for at least like, you know, a dozen generations has been America. And um, I've recognized that like black families, native black families, our cultures in the U.S. are really born out of like a resistance, both like it's like this twofold part. It's like a resistance, but also an assimilation to like this white supremacist culture. (laughs) And so I think a lot of the things that I learned about growing up and about what it means to simply live and exist, whether it weren't directly around white people or about white people, a lot of it was informed by the experiences of my of my ancestors in this country as was guided by many white people. And so I think there's a lot of trauma there. Um, but I think there's also like a lot of opportunity that we've created for resilience that just informs what I think about my life. And so very Southern, I'm not from the South, but my family's from the South. My dad's side is from Texas and Mississippi. My mom's side is also from Texas and Louisiana. And so, um, there is a big consensus around like, um, we help each other out. Like, we're definitely down for one another, but like there was a, I think a turning point in like black culture um, informed by what was happening politically, where it was kind of like, we learned that in order to really be successful and to thrive, we had to own things of our own. We had to have a sense of stability that wasn't just rooted in our families, but like, um, cause our families could be torn away from us at any point, but we had to learn how to be self-sufficient. Um, and we had to learn how to stand on our own feet and not be, um, indebted to anything or anyone. So that's a big part of my upbringing. And I'll stop there because I'm really curious to hear, uh, what's it like for you all. And the, uh, yeah, I'm just really curious. Yeah, those are some really great points. Just to add on to that, for me, I'd say that a lot of my experience with just essential lessons and themes that I learned involved a lot of just, well, to start off, actually, to provide some context, my parents are immigrants. uh, They're immigrated here from Ethiopia. So a lot of it was very much like working hard to become an adult. You have to work hard and certainly kind of like, as you were sharing, David, like fight for what you want. Um, and to just focus and to stay in your lane. So a lot of kind of the theme that I got was just about staying in your lane and not getting distracted, really kind of learning to find your way. And a lot of times those distractions were sort of major things that you'd think of, like hanging out with the wrong people, doing the wrong things. And the main theme was just, yeah, not doing that. What about you, Dal? Yeah, no, thank you guys for that. that just that beautiful discussion. Uh, for me, uh, as many of you know, uh, my family migrated here. Uh, so I was born then South Sudan, came here my teenage years. And so I always just carry just that, Af- I would say, African mindset when I, when I came to the United States, because it was just the, just the, the model that just my mom kind of molded uh, into us uh, to be an adult in a Sudanese household, or I would say essentially in an African household, uh, you just kind of saw, you know, the provider, the caretaker is the person that you go to when you're in need. And so just learning these lessons uh, and themes, this, this my mom just resemble or 
or just showed in her actions. So you can't you can't be a caretaker if you're not financially you know stable. Uh, so that means you're working hard. You're sometimes working you know two jobs, three jobs to make sure that your family is good. Uh, just because you're taking care of a big family, such as my family is a big family, and so it's just always had that mentality. You come here to this country, you work hard. Uh, no matter the obstacles in your way, you keep your head down. You don't complain or say nothing about the institutions. We know what the institutions is, but we don't care about the institutions. Your job is just to work hard and not and not and not make excuses about any of that. Uh, just jump over the hurdles, uh, no matter how many of them are in front of you. And so that's just the kind of mindset that just my family just kind of model uh, coming here as refugees and just our experience, taking our experience and bringing them here to the United States. So it was just always working hard to get ahead, uh, no matter what. And I became an adult at an early age because I was the the oldest in the family. So there were certain things I I, I did help my mom out just because I was the oldest, taking care of the younger siblings. And so I learned what it means to be an adult in my teenage years. So by the time I was an adult, I didn't feel any sense of difference whatsoever. Uh, besides going to college and now working. So yeah, that's what it means to be an adult in a Sudanese household. Thank you guys so much for those thoughts. It's really interesting how we all have some similarities and differences as well. Let's go more into adulting, the term specifically. We're seeing that the word adulting is becoming more and more relevant in our own society today. As defined, adulting, if you were to go into a dictionary, look at a textbook definition, adulting involves the practice of behaving in a way that's characteristic of a responsible adult, but it also involves the accomplishment of tasks that are necessary, but also mundane among millennials, adulting is a really hot topic, but it's also an area of the unknown for a lot of people as well. Here's some stats that can further emphasize why this might be the case. For instance, 58% of U.S. Americans from 18 to 26 don't have a savings account. 30% have no optimism about their own financial future. And one out of four don't know basic financial literacy skills like paying bills. There are also a lot of sources out there that can really help to provide input on how to adult or to live life. One podcast I listen to a lot is called NPR. It's the Life Kit Series podcast, which goes into areas such as health, talks about life skills, money, even parenting. CNBC also has a series called Make It, which gives some really practical tools on how to use money, how to budget, savings, etc. Universities and schools are also offering adulting one-on-one classes where people can actually where people actually pay thousands of dollars to learn things like retirement plans and budgeting. Um, they're also published books and webinars. The list goes on and on, really. So what do we see here? Is there a trend among our society, in particular Western countries, where we feel like we're not living up to the standards set for us to be actual adults? Is there a specific way in which Americans see adulting? And if so, does that translate to our context as Americans, but members of the African diaspora at the same time? question that I want to pose to you guys. So based off of that, what did your parents and family tell you about being an adult? Like what were some identifiers that you were officially an adult? Does it ever come to conflict with what people define as adulting throughout our culture? What do you guys think? Yeah. Um, I'm just going to start off and say that those stats are really embarrassing. <laughs> like one of them for adult, not a pay bills. And some days I'm not sure if I'm in that one or four or not, just to be honest. Um, I will say, though, to actually directly answer your question, I feel like there's a thinking about like, does how you defined adulting as in like you're sharing what the world what the world considers adulting, like what like 
the typical U.S. millennial, a.k.a. like kind of white um, or Western mindset of like a U.S. millennial thinks about adulting and like, does that really translate to us? I think in some cases it does, but I think in many ways it overwhelmingly does not really capture the full essence of it. I feel like honestly, like we need to reclaim a bit of that term. And it's kind of like, I think we experience the kind of things that the rest of the the rest of the millennial U.S. millennial populace would consider adulting at younger ages. Like I'm just thinking about like Dow's story and how Dow's story also just kind of like mirrors the stories of so many black folks. Um, no matter what part of the diaspora you come from or part of the content you come from, we just get adultified very early. Um, uh, and we have the kind of, we have a like a unique set of responsibilities, strains and pressures placed on us that I think, um, a lot of adults, don't even experience or encounter. And so um, I just want to, before getting into like thinking about how that relates to me personally, um, I'm just thinking like, similar to what you said, Hina, what I was told about being an adult was like, there was a lot of striving around it. And I had to simply learn how to survive. I grew up in a very faith-based home. And so that was a different perspective. Like I knew I had a future and a destiny that was greater than any of the world circumstances. But when thinking about the world circumstances, there was no question that um, it was not going to be easy. And that I had to work twice as hard to get half of what folks in privilege um, positions were going to get automatically bestowed to them. And so that definitely frames a lot of my, what I, what I have had to learn is adulting for me as a black man. Uh, no, David, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for that, 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 uh, that segment about your experience and what it means to be adult adulting. Uh, for me, it's a, it, there are similarities, but there are also a little bit different. Uh, for me, what my parent taught me about being an adult is it, just you're once you're an adult, you're just seen as a, a provider. Uh, it's, it's, it's one thing that comes to mind. You're a provider. Once you're an adult, uh, you're there to look after the family, to get a job immediately, uh, help the family in whatever circumstances that they're in. And so just looking back at my own experience now, uh, seeing, seeing what it meant, what, what, what it meant to be an adult in that moment as I was growing up, it just, it, like I said, it happened for me very quickly. And so what my mom taught me is just like family is very important uh, as to, to, to be an adult. Your family is really important. And so faith, like you said, faith is really important. And faith help guides you, you know, when you're a caretaker, when you're a provider for your family. Uh, this is what it meant to be an adult, I would say, in a Sudanese household. You had to be faithful. You had to, you know, work hard for anything, anything, anything that you'll have. Uh, you're working for it. No, nobody's ever going to give it to you. And so this is what it meant to be an adult. So it, it kind of it kind of differ a little bit from, I would say, from a, West, a Western perspective of what adulting is, uh, just because I would say in the black community, some of us become adult real, real quickly once we reach teenage years, just because of the circumstances that we are in. And so that's that's where that's where adulting for me, that's 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 what I kind of learn about adulting from my own personal experience. Hanok, what about you? I'd say that there are definitely similarities between what you guys have shared. Faith in my household was a, a very, it was the foundation, the belief that despite the present condition, that there's something greater to come. You know, there's like a spiritual world and there's like a physical world that there's a greater reality to come. So that was a, a very foundational 
part of my own upbringing and how that helped me understand what it meant to be an adult, the whole aspect of striving. And I'd say to, to kind of break it down, in addition to the spiritual aspect, it was definitely that kind of academic educational aspect of, as well, like getting good grades, finishing school. Those were very key indicators that showed that you were on your way to being an adult. Along with that, you know, based off of that, the financial aspect comes in where it's not, I think for me, it wasn't spoken of as much, but it was definitely like an implied thing that, you know, once you establish yourself financially, that's also a sign that you're adulting or that you're going in that er in that area, that direction. And then the third area I'd say is just being able to then support your family, being able to support can come in a lot of ways. I think in my context, it's been staying engaged with your, with your family, going to events, just really being there with your family during important times. And then also the, there was sort of that aspect of being disciplined and like listening to what your parents say. And I think that played a big role in their perception of me becoming an adult. The whole idea that like I was being disciplined and that I was being, you know, that I had like the right skills and manners to really interact with people and be respectful. And I'll, I will add as well that I've seen it in my own community and just with people around me where people, you know, kids really young have to adult quickly. You know, they get to that point where they really need to find their way as an adult prematurely in a way. And you see that play out and you see them grow up quickly and you see the positive and negative sides of that as well. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that, Hinnock um, and Dow. I think there is a resounding understanding between the three of us that you adults earlier are in more unfair ways, depending on who you are, depending on where you're from. Um, and that's like particularly true with like our diaspora. Um, but I want to keep this conversation of adulting going, possibly turn it in a slightly more light direction. We just said we sat around and kind of talked about some similarities. But I imagine between the three of us, because we all come from different cultures within the diaspora, within, within, you know, like there are some differences. And so we are about to play a game called You Think You Grown, the game show. OK, so we got a little we got a little um, music clip for y'all. How about this? <laughs> right yes right okay so you know we're just trying to make it fun for our viewers um and so essentially about the game each of us are going to hear a scenario that relates to an important adulting theme like relationships finances basic skills and competencies so on so on and we're going to have to react with our families and our like our familial cultures level of approval with one of three options so we're either going to answer yes and when you answer yes you're going to hear this sound okay if the answer is like oh, i'm not sure you're gonna hear this sound right 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 okay okay i thought i thought i would get a little more of a laugh out of y'all at this point but it's okay we're gonna keep it going that was yeah <laughs> uh thanks i appreciate that you know <laughs> and um if the answer is so we have yes, uh, I'm not sure, or hell no, which can also be amended to no, absolutely not, heck no, uh-uh. And <laughs> if the answer is that, you will hear this. Mm. 
Okay. So, and at different points of time, we're going to elaborate, um, you know, maybe a couple of us, maybe one per answer or whatever, um, why we gave the answer that we gave. And hopefully we get to learn a little bit about what are our expectations now that we're young adults and um, how are they just not the same or how are they the same okay so how does that sound to my co-host how are you feeling about that hand down oh let's get it sounds great sounds yeah, great excited for it. awesome okay so we shall begin okay so scenario one as an adult you live at home with your parents after you finish school even if you're approaching your late 20s to 30s so i'm gonna click on each of you hinnock what is your answer my answer is a yes. Okay. Got it. Dow, what is your answer? It is a yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And 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 so for me personally, it's a uh, I'm not sure. Right? <laughs> that sound is kind of weird. Um, but I Okay, so does anyone want to go why they say yes? Because I feel like I'm the only one who had a different answer. So maybe I should explain why I am very different. I don't know. What do you who wants to solve? I can start it off. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it's a yes for me. Uh, Coming from an African household, there is no shame in living at home with your family. Even if you're in your mid 20s to early to 30s. the reason that is just the, the, the values and the belief system that is there in an African household is that family is very important. It's something that is very dear to us. And so we believe that the more time you spend with your family, the better, even if you are an adult. And so even after I graduated college, my family wanted me to come home and live with them. Uh, the reason that is, it was, it was like, okay, we understand you're an adult now. Uh, you can move out if you choose to do so. It's kind of my mom, I would say, is assimilating and learning uh, an American culture that is okay for their uh, for your son to move out after they graduate college. But it was just still that part of her that wanted me to move back home because she just wanted me to spend more time with them, with the family. Even if I was working and making, you know, making my money, uh, it's uh, pretty much... I would be living at home, making my money, saving, saving the money and helping her, I would say, in whatever needs that she, she needed it in. Uh, she, she is needed. Uh, the circumstances the family was in. Uh, that's the only way I would be able to help her financially. But pretty much all, all, my, all the money I'm making in a, in a career job, I would be saving it. Uh, and the reason is, is just that they expect you to be a giving hand when a family is in need and to be a support system, not just financially, but emotionally, you know, uh, be there for your siblings, your younger siblings, uh, to show them the path that you took, you know, to go to college, graduate college. So they expect you to be an example and to be a teacher. So that's why there is no shame in living at home as an African. In fact, they want you to live at home. Uh, and unfortunately, D.C. was where I saw my path. And so I didn't I didn't move back home. Wow, that is that's awesome. Um, And I feel like you're not the first person who I know who's from Africa um, to say that, whether they are like first generation American or directly from the continent. Like that's a really resounding theme. I feel like for black American families, it's quite different um, or slightly different. I feel like we have unfortunately been choked by the ranks of capitalism but also um i think not making it that simplistic and not to 
over theorize it, but even how it looks at my own family, I currently I live at home with my older brother. We've both been through multiple like levels of schooling. Um, and we have jobs and we live at home and it's like purely financial. Um, but I've also noticed that there is like a level of emotional and support and leadership that you do provide, which is really awesome. But it's not necessarily expected that we're here or that we're going to be here much longer. Um, it's like, we're helping you guys until you guys get on your feet. Cause technically you're not supposed to be here. I feel like that speaks to, there's been a very intentional kind of like breakdown of, of black families since we got to this country. And so I wouldn't be, su- I'm not surprised that we have lost some of those real communalist values along the way. Um, and we're expected to kind of fend them for ourselves after we hit 18, which is, it's kind of sad, but um, yeah, thank you for those responses. We're going to move on to scenario two. We all ready for that. Yes. We're ready for the scenario two. Okay. So scenario two, as an adult, your parents openly give their opinion on your career style dating choices and expect you to take heed. So we're going to start with Dow. What is your answer? Yes. Okay. I'll go with myself. What is your answer? Me? Uh, Your answer, David. (laughs) Uh, Again, I'm not sure. So. (laughs) And Hinnock, what's your answer? That'll be a yes for me as well. All right. So I think I want to sit this one out. Um, I'll just really quickly say why I said I'm not sure is because they do it. They do it, but they also recognize there's a level of independence that I should be afforded because of the things I mentioned earlier. So it's not necessarily like common. Like you can be babied for having your parents so involved in your day to day life. Like it's kind of like a joke um, that people make fun of or make fun of themselves because of but within black American communities. So for you guys, this answers, which was like a strong yes. Why is that the case? Uh, the reason is the case uh, for me is that. I say, my, I would say my parents still, they, it's just a belief system that they came from, you know, even their parents comment on their, you know, their style, their dating. So it's just, it's, it's just kind of like, it's a, at this point, it's a tradition, I would say. And so my, my parents, they give their opinion on my career path. It's like, like right now I'm still on that career path. I've been, you know, t- working, you know, 10 jobs there and there have yet to find my true, my true passion for my career path. Uh, of where I'm at currently. So my parents still comment on that and say, Hey, is that the right path for you? You know, in terms of job wise, you know, are you able to take care of yourself? And then that is a good question. It's, there's nothing wrong with that critique. Dress styles. I, I would say presentation is really important from where I come from. You have to present yourself in a way that is show you respect yourself and it shows respect to your family. And so presentation means everything because you are carrying the name of your family and so uh, that's why my, I would say my parents comment on that. And then dating, dating, dating choice. Definitely. Uh, I think they, 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 they the, the reason they comment on that is that they want you to be with someone that's, you know, someone that cares about you, someone that loves, I would say loves you, is grounded uh, and is in, and is able, you know, to a, able someone that's able to, I would say, teach you uh and take you to new heights, you know, 
And I think that's what they base their relationships on. Relationships is about learning, about growing together. And so that's why they're so opinionated when it comes to relations, relationships. And, you know, I'll say even dating, it's, it's, such, it's, a, it's such a serious topic, even in our community, where, where if you're dating someone, I, w- I would say I, w- I wouldn't bring out, I, I would not bring someone home and at least until after six to a year, six months to a year, just because dating is that important. When you're dating someone, your family expects you, you and that person pretty much, you guys are going to be married, especially if it's in a serious relationship. That's just the expectation, you know, because you show that you show that person to the family. And <laughs> once you show that person to the family, it's pretty serious. And so date, dating, it's just at, Unless we're in a serious relationship, don't expect to meet my, my, my parents. And I would say also, and dating also is just like there are sort of privileges there that are afforded to young men uh, compared to young women in an African household. I, ha- I have that privilege as a young man. I have that, as, that independence of being an adult as a young male that is not afforded to our, our women counterparts uh, when it comes to their choices, whether I would say career, dating, uh, it's a little bit more hard there. They're, they're more protective of their daughters than they are of their sons. Or I would say they, they give more privileges to their sons than their daughters. Uh, and I say it's just like it's a patriarchal society. It's just most African. I say not all of them, but some African uh, societies are just patriotics. And so it's just until they learn and educate themselves when they come here, it's just like they're, they're just a very patriarchal societies. And so sons have a little more leeway than uh, the daughters. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. I'd say for me, just really briefly, uh, definitely my folks are not shy to provide their own feedback and input. <laughs> uh, definitely not. It's also because of the feeling that because they're older, they know best when it comes to these life decisions. There are obvious differences. Uh, you know, we're living in a different culture, society, time period. But my parents have always been very open to sharing about the lessons that they've learned from when they were my age. So that includes really going into detail about certain topics that many would perceive an older person to be out of touch on. They're definitely very confident in just kind of going into it and providing their own input and feedback on that. So a definite yes for me. Uh, and it's it's been a very, yeah, a lot of nuances to it on my end. Okay, so these are some really good discussions we got going on here. So I'm going to move on to scenario three. And it reads... Ooh, this one is hitting me. <laughs> Being an adult means having a real job, meaning something with a salary, security, and retirement. So we're going to start with, I'm going to start myself. So is this a true for me? Is it true for me, David? Let's see. Yes, that's absolutely true. My answer is yes. Dow, what is your answer? Yes, absolutely. Okay, we got two yeses in a row. <laughs> Hinnock, what's it going to be for you? The third time, it'll be a yes for me. Wow. We got three yeses. Okay, so this is the first thing we've all agreed on, yeah. um, which is interesting. So I want to talk about why that is. And I, I okay, I, th- this one I'm passionate about. So if you guys don't mind, I'm going to start off. Okay. So people might get surprised in my own personal life if they knew me to say yes, because what most people may not know, um, the first 17 years of my life, I would say no, 15 years. The first 15 years of my life, 
I and my whole family absolutely knew that I was going to spend the rest of my life as an adult um, being a performing artist. I was going to sing. I was going to dance. I was going to act. I was going to be on Broadway. I was going to win awards, you know, that only like dozens of people who out of the millions and millions of people who want to do it will do it. And, you know, many people are like, that's a pipe dream. And so they're probably like, wow, if your parents did that, then Clearly that must change your answer because that's not necessarily a real job. Oh no. They thought they, without a shadow of a doubt that I was going to be like the next Gary Owens or Michael Jackson. They were like, this kid's got, he's got skill and um, we need to cultivate this because he's, he's actually going to be somebody. So they would not have done any of that if they thought that, you know, I was, it wasn't going to pan out. <laughs> so, <laughs> They definitely were like, this is security. Matter of fact, if he really makes it, we're going to be rich. (laughs) So (laughs) they definitely were like, you going to make money. You going to provide, you going to survive. And like, it's kind of funny, but like basing it in something really real, like the, 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 the economic disinvestment of black communities in this country since we've been here. I mean, that has been foundational to who we are. And um, that's etched in our psyche as people collectively like we've been poor. We've been broke. We've been we have our things stolen, exploited, taken away from us. And um, without a means to live economically, you can't survive. And um, someone told me the other day and I looked this up because it was a horrifying statistic that the network of black women in this country is like literally like around two hundred dollars. And um, yeah, let's just let, let, let that sink in for a second. Two hundred dollars and the expected net worth of black people by the year 2050 will be zero dollars. So that's frightening. That's terrifying. There's all kinds of economic attacks on black communities. So absolutely. My parents were like, you ain't going to be like that. You're going to be the solution. You're not going. Yeah. So it's a yes for me. And so what about y'all? Did anyone want to share why it's a yes for you? What about you, Hanok? Yeah, it's a yes for me as well. Very similar to what you shared, David, along with what I think Dow will share as well. Um, yeah, a job that has some source of security, some source of security, sorry, provides a sense of relief to parents um, in general. And then for me, especially from like an immigrant context, there's the hope that you know, they'll be able to, my parents will be able to build a foundation that lets their kids experience like true security in their eyes. What is true security? So I think a lot of the concern that like my folks have had in the past about this kind of stuff is more so along the lines of just fear and the fear that things won't work out, the fear that things won't add up. And I'd also say that, you know, those, those stereotypes among our communities that, you know, like our, our parents want us to be doctors and engineers. A lot of that comes from yeah, the belief. We all know this, the belief that those jobs have the most security. And for that reason, that's what we should pursue. And it's interesting because you see how that plays out. I've seen people who have taken that route. Well, the, or, you know, they go for something, they study something in school that they don't really like, but out of the belief that it'll provide them with some sort of security, they go into it and they find out that it's not their passion and they end up going for what their passion really is. So it's an interesting concept for sure. No, for sure. Thank you both for sharing that. Uh, For me, it's a yes as well. 
Uh, the reason that is uh, just coming, I say just coming from, a, I'd say a Sudanese American household uh, and adulting mean having a real job, salary, uh, it means security, it means retirement. Uh, just because being an adult in an African household means that you're a provider, you know, someone who's there to, who's a caretaker, not just for yourself, but for your family. Uh, so an adult is just, if you don't have any of those, unfortunately, nothing less of that is full of questions and judgment. Uh, just because it's, 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 it's almost as if we taught you better, you know, uh, you're an adult and you know the struggles in this country. And so it's always you have to keep from the in the back of your mind the struggles that your family came from, the struggles you came from. And so being an adult, you're, what you're trying to do, you're trying to climb a ladder uh, from the circumstances your family come from, and you're trying to move ahead. And so being an adult means that you don't go through those same financial circumstances that your family were in, you know, let's say back when we were, you know, back in Africa or when we moved here. And so it's just like, and it's, it's just, it's very real. You, we see the disparity uh, as immigrants when we come here, as African immigrants, the disparity we have because we come here with nothing or, or as refugees, we have nothing. And so when we, when we come here, all we're trying to do is we're playing catch up. And so that's why it's just Africans and immigrants have this mindset of just, you come here, you put your head down and you work, you just work. You work until you make it. And it's just, that is just the mindset. You're a provider for you and for your family and anything less, unfortunately disqualify your adulthood. And here there are just a couple of statistics I want to share is, you know, the wealth gap in the United States between an average white family and an average black family is three times. Just think about that three times greater. So the wealth of an average white family is three times greater than that of a black family. It's just that that is an insane number to think about. And this is studies have been done. These can be two individuals. Two families that have the same educational background, same degrees, but the wealth is still three times greater, even though they both are educated, uh, both went to school, both have careers, but the wealth is still three times greater. And so that that's the mindset that I, I would say black people in general, when we when we mean that job, a career is everything because we want that financial independence. You know, that's why we emphasize it. It's just we want financial independence uh, for ourselves and for our family if something were to come up. And so that's why it's so important for us uh, as adults to have a job, not just any job, a career job that, that will be able to take care of all your necessities without any worries. Yeah, great answers, y'all. Okay, we got one more scenario. So our final scenario, it reads... As an adult, your parents are able to listen and engage with you on political and social issues while respecting your opinion. <laughs> Dow, what are we starting off with? What is your answer? Ooh, that is, wow. I say that's a no. Oh, wow. That's a no. Okay. Um, <laughs> Hinnock, what's your answer? Uh, not sure. Okay. Okay. Got a little more sure. And for me, I actually had one answer when I thought about this before, but I have a different answer now. And that's also going to be a no. Wow. <laughs> I know. And I can guarantee my parents are going to hear this. So I'll have some explaining to do. But um, OK, yeah, let's hear why you all um, who wants to speak about why. OK, well, Hanok, 
Hinnock, you said you're not sure. Dow, you said no. So why are you at a no? Why am I the no? I, for me, I'm at a no uh, because I would say growing up, being born as a child, I, I was born under a dictatorship. I would say a fascist dictatorship. Uh, my, my parents grew up under a fascist dictatorship uh, when they were teenagers. And so they themselves, they saw their own family members uh, be assassinated, uh, tortured, killed by the dictatorship. Uh, and so political, I would say political engagement or debate on political issues and social issues was just, you know, it was forbidden because you didn't want to end up the way your relatives end up uh, being tortured and killed uh, by the regime. And so this was a kind of seen as a taboo. Uh, it was, it was not, it, it wasn't a, a space afforded to young adults, but it was a space afforded to those who were the elders uh, because they knew how to navigate the system better than young adults when it came to the dictatorship. And so that's just kind of the same mindset. I would say my mom kind of has, uh, I would say my parents it's, you know, it's keep your mouth shut and just wor- worry about yourself. I think because of their own personal experience of just being under a dictatorship for 30 years. And so unless, and, and, and you're not afforded that, the reason you're not afforded that independence is like, okay, as a young adult, you're like, okay, you're an adult, but you're not wise enough, right? There's just that African saying, you know, only a fool knows everything. But it's also, also, it's just saying, it's also saying only the elders has the wisdom to know. And so that's, it's just that kind of mindset. So the more you get older, the more you're able to access a space of where the elders are. So once I get married for a say, right, I'm going to have that ability to be able to engage in those conversations because now they respect my boundaries. They're like, oh, he's a caretaker. He's a provider. And so he is a real adult. And so that respect is afforded to me uh, and people are able to engage and listen to me uh, because I'm a real adult now. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. I'm, I'm going to share really quickly and then I'm going to let Hinnock, um close us out with this question. But for different reasons, there's some similarities between what you said, Dal. But for different reasons, I feel like actually, no, there's a lot of similarities. Um, and just to clarify, my parents have come a long way. <laughs> And um, I would say, like, as of now, like I can fully, freely share like different opinions about politics, about um, I won't say religion because we we share the same beliefs about that, but <laughs> just about different things happening in society. And um, and we can have a real conversation. But there was a time, my God, <laughs> there was a time when. That was not the case. And I think when I was starting off in college and was trying to find myself on Facebook, I was posting all kinds of stuff, trying to understand about racism and injustice. And, you know, I was an activist. I mean, I was a real I was a real one. And uh, my parents were shook. They did not like that. They constantly tried to police what I was saying on the Internet. And they felt that it was causing I mean, but with with good reason, they felt like I was drawing possibly negative attention to myself. I was on scholarship at my school and um, I always was somehow in the smack dab center of some kind of racial conspiracy against me and other some of my other friends. And so they were genuinely concerned. And uh, I think it speaks to the fear that has struck our our community for generations that 
those bold enough to speak up and speak out often are silenced and often are um, robbed and uh, dispossessed of things that belong to them. And so um, I think we just have to realize, like back in the day when our ancestors made history, there were many on the sidelines telling folks and their kids looking at them like they're troublemakers. And though history has redeemed them, you know, everyone doesn't always feel the same way. And so my parents really, they didn't always like talking about social political stuff because they just didn't want us to be punished for it and punished for our own beliefs. But, um, Hinnock, if you have anything to share, why have you answered the way you have? So I think the not sure aspect comes from me. So I've had a lot of these conversations and they happen, they happen and they succeed in our ability to listen and engage to a certain extent. I think where where things kind of shut down is when I might say something that they completely disagree with and don't want to engage with, don't want to engage with me about. That's when the line is sort of drawn for them and we can't continue on the conversation. But very, very similarly to what the both of you have shared, the context for them not wanting to talk or to go deeper into certain areas is because of the background that they experienced, the both of them growing up in authoritarian, um, they were, you know, in Ethiopia in an authoritarian society, dictatorship. So all of that has a really big impact. And it's the same sort of thing about staying in your lane and don't get yourself into a situation that you don't want to put yourself in. Just focus on your life and stay out of trouble. That was the mentality. But you're seeing now with like situation that's happening now in Ethiopia in particular, with like the political space opening up, people are having those conversations. Politics is the talk of the town now, really, with our parents. So things are opening up. But again, there is that level that you reach where these kind of stop. Yeah, wow. Um, those were great responses. I am taking away a lot from what both of you said and thinking about how that relates to what I said. And I'm happy we got to share this space. I think I'm taking away a lot, but before I share my reflections, I want to allow us to all close on a, on a set of questions, answer whatever feels relevant to you. If you have anything to say at all, thinking about all that we've discussed, all the nuances, the similarities, the diverging opinions, where our cultures, families meet, where they go their separate ways. Do you believe Overall, there's any validity to this concept of adulting um, for you or your family? And do you think it actually works like the term adulting makes sense for black and or African cultures? Yes. Yes, I do. Let's talk about it. Uh, I do believe there are similarities between African cultures of ideas of adulting and what it means to be a doll. But there are also some uh, differences as well, such as, you know, uh, African family values, uh, the tight and being close, uh, the commun- communal aspects of it, and less independent compared to that of Black America, and the ideas of your family being everything to you, and you being a provider and a caretaker for your families uh, after graduation or going straight into the workforce, and also living at home. There's no shame or guilt because... Your family wants you to live at home. Your family wants you uh, to provide that support. Okay. So you, just to clarify now, you do believe that there is a way to um, Africanize, for lack of a better word, what adulting means and that that does hold a certain weight between different African and Black cultures. Yes, I, I do believe that. 
Hanak, what do you think? Yeah, I I definitely see where Dow's coming from. And I think a good kind of way that you wrapped it up, David, was talking about the Africanization of adulting. And I think that's how I see it as well. I think adulting works. The concept is valid to us. Just think it's valid in a different way. And I think there's a unique process where we find out that way. It's unique to each individual, the context that we're coming from. There are pretty stark differences that I see between, as you guys, based, this is I'm saying it's based off of what you guys have shared, that there's some differences between what adulting looked like for us, along with mainstream Western culture. So it's valid to an extent, but there's a unique process that we have to kind of recognize. There are differences that we have to be aware of. So that's my main take. I think for me, it's just understanding that there are, there are portions of things that I can take from mainstream culture that can help me in terms of finding my way and adulting. And there's also the area that I have to recognize of just the cultural, unique kind of aspect that goes into play that I know makes things different for me. Yeah, I don't have much to add. I completely agree with the both of you. I share the same feeling. I walked into the podcast pretty skeptical of adulting, but I like the way that we reclaimed it and we really, you know, unpacked this today. And so um, I will say to end this ditto to the both of you. But I want to say, Dow, Hinnock, my brothers, thank you for today's conversation. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you, guys. It's been fun. Yeah, this was incredible. Yeah, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. All right. So thank you all, not just to my co-hosts, but to our listeners. We recognize that without you, there is no Ubuntu podcast. And that as we are creating this podcast, we're really creating a movement, a conversation, uh, a new way of looking at ourselves in the context of those around us. And so we encourage you in that spirit to continue to spread the word, share our social medias, share our podcast, tell a friend, keep the conversation going more than anything. And remember, we we do this work because Africa is bigger than our boundaries. And we invite you to continue to telling the world that through the Ubuntu podcast. So thank you, everyone. Stay tuned for our next episode that's going to be released very soon. We got a special set of episodes in the month of March um, that touch on some really important topics. You don't want to miss it. And um, have a great one, y'all. Peace out. See you later, guys. Thank you all so Thanks much. For everything. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Ubuntu Pod and on Facebook at The Ubuntu Podcast. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe. You can listen to us on both Apple and Spotify as well. You can also follow me directly on Instagram at Henny Yilma, H-E-N-I-Y-I-L-M-A. Hey y'all, it's Dow. Don't forget to follow me on IG. So it's Dow underscore Dole Hey everyone, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at David J-A-Y Curtis with two S's. Thank you.